Nothing is impossible. You know, if the Lord wanted us to think with limited thinking, he did a bad job in telling us so. I think I'll say that again. If the Lord wanted us to think with limited thinking, he did a bad job in telling us so. I mean, Paul said, what, I can do some things? How many things? All things. That's a lot of things. Through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus said, nothing is impossible to him who believes. Another time he said, all things are possible to him who believes. He said in John 14, the things that I do, you will do also, and greater things. Someone say greater things. Will you do because I go to the Father? Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. According to what the power that works out there? Mm -mm. According to the power that works in me, in us. How many of you know we've got a, a spiritual nuclear power plant on the inside of us? Just tell your neighbor that's true about you. There's a the fascinating story in Mark 9. There's a father whose son is throwing himself into the water and fire, and they, he comes to Jesus' disciples, tries to get help. They can't deal with the situation. He comes to Jesus and says, if you can do something, basically, please do it. And, and, and Jesus turns the tables and says, if, if, if I can do it, he said, no, all things are possible to him who believes. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the question of God's willingness, but whether he believed. And I love what he says. He says, Lord, I believe. Help. <laughs> Help my beliefs. I got it. I got it. The issue is not, you know, while we're waiting for you to sovereignly move. And sovereignly just choose. And certainly there's a measure of truth in that, but the church has way overemphasized that. But, but really, you know, the question is whether, he said, Jesus, all things are possible, him who believes. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me. And, you know, that, that's where I'm at. You know, I just say, woo, I got it, I got it, I got it. Well, yeah, woo-hoo. I'm not a victim. I mean, I used to think I was a victim of four things. Four things. You want to hear the four things I used to think I was a victim? And sometimes I slip back into this. <laughs> I used to think I was a victim of the devil. 
the devil wasn't after me so much, I could really do something. <laughs> I used to think I was a victim of the people in my life. It's these people you've given me. People, people around me there. If I had better people, I'm stuck because of the people. My family, my life. Victim. That's what Gideon said. I, I just got a bad family. I just, I'm stuck. Then I used to think I was a victim of my past. Yeah, Bill Johnson, senior leader, Bethel Church. I mean, Eric Johnson, he's, he's his son at Bethel. He's a sixth-generation pastor's son, Eric Johnson. Wow, man. I'm a... I'm a first-generation, insecure, burnout, paranoid hippie <laughs> trying to do something. I'm not trying, trying to do something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some baggage that pops up every once in a while. <laughs> Eric Johnson doesn't have that baggage pop up. Ha, <laughs> ha. Uh-huh. It pops up for me. I don't know. I'm the victim of my past. If I had a better past, I could really do something. Ha ha. Then I used to think I was a victim of a preordained plan of God that put limits on my life. A preordained plan of God that put limits on my life. I, I didn't really verbalize that theology, but I just started believing that by sitting in church. Yep, Billy Graham, Bill Johnson, level 10 Christians, predestined to be level 10. <laughs> Best I can hope for is level 3. And if I really surrender, maybe I can get up to 3.5. Ha ha. Lord says, Steve, you're not a victim of any of those things. You're not a victim of the devil, the people in your life, your past, my preordained plan that has put limits on your life. You're just a victim of your own bad beliefs. Lord, I believe. Help my beliefs. Help me. I'm getting it, but I need help. I think he likes that prayer because we actually understand. Okay, I'm getting it. I love it says in Hebrews 12, it says, Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith. Wow, he's the author and finisher of my beliefs. That makes me happy. I've got faith in you, Jesus. You're going to finish how I think. Hmm. I'm not just trying to pump it up, man. I just can't wait to see how you're going to do it. Philippians 1.6, I'm confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. So I get it. The guy says, Lord, I believe. Help me. 
And, and I, I just see the Lord just really with people in the room tonight. I see God just, His grace is helping us. I love you, the, the whole past thing. I mean, nobody's past can stop them, but current beliefs can. The past in itself doesn't have the power to block our future, but the conclusions we make based on the past do. There's nobody in this room who, because of their past, that that, that disqualifies their future. That makes me happy. Someone just say, no limits. Hmm. I love that relational upgrade, Sean. That's a great when our team heard that over. We almost just got blown over because we were talking about that in the meeting, and that's just there's, they're going to release some things tonight. And, um, it's going to be good. You excited? I'm, I'm excited. You know, just um, I travel a lot, and and I was in Germany in November, and I saw some things in Germany that were powerful. I might have shared this last night, but I want to share it again. There's something. There's something happening there. And I toured. I went to a lot of different places, and and God is raising up an army in Germany. He's raising up young leaders, men and women with integrity, fire, and, and great, uh, great leadership skills. I, I saw that, and I left. I said, man, God, you're, you're doing something. We just thank you, Lord. We, we, we prayed last night for China, and we, we do again. We thank you, Lord. Acts, Psalm 2.8, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as an inheritance. And, Lord, we ask you for Germany tonight. We ask you for Germany and, and, and we ask you for that nation. I, I see you doing things. I see them as being catalytic to just the transformation of Europe in what, what's going on. There's, there's great leaders. Just, just say this, uh, uh, I bless Germany. I'm just doing a little bit of rambling here in the beginning. This is a ramble fest. Proverbs 11.11 says, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it's torn down. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Why God's teaching on identity? And I'm so excited about tomorrow night's identity class. I mean, identity. I get excited when a church teaches on identity. Because actually, if, you know, if, you've been, if you've been in church for a while, you, you, you keep hearing who we are. I mean, you know, the, the most important question to answer in life is who is Jesus, who we say Jesus is. The second most important question is who we say we are. And by the blessing of the upright, how many of you know in Jesus you're upright? And where the Lord's leading us, He's leading us to uh, believe that we can hold a whole city captive in our spoken blessing. 
I mean, Elijah in the Old Covenant, he, he got a hold of something. He said, hey, I got an announcement. It ain't raining until I say it's going to rain. <laughs> until I say it's raining, it's not raining. I mean, you know, that's a pretty bold guy. I mean, I'm going to control the weather system. <laughs> <I> go, <laughs> but that's where the Lord's leading us to where we actually believe our spoken blessing. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. By the blessing of the upright, the family is exalted. By the blessing of the upright, the nation is exalted. And I just want to tell you it's happening. Just say it's happening. I mean, one of the biggest lies of the devil is, to, is he wants to make us think he's winning. Ha, <laughs> ha. That, that, that's, you know, that's one of his goals, is to actually make us think he's winning. Yeah, I see it's happening all over. When we hit 2020, I said something's happening. I mean, I, I, there's something has happened when we got into this new decade. I mean, there's an increase of Holy Spirit. There's an increase of grace. I've seen an increase of grace for people to get personal victory in their lives. I've seen an increase of manifest presence. I've seen an increase of hunger, increase of breakthrough. There, there, there's people coming back to church. Yeah, and, and it's happening. I love what Jesus said in, in John 4.35. He says, do you not say four months and then the harvest? Don't you say it's not happening yet? Is that what you say? I say to you, look up and see the fields are white for harvest. He says, you say it's four months. I say it's already happening. I say, if you look up, you're going to see what's happening. Just say, it's happening. And one of the meetings, one of the things about this, these meetings is the Lord is, is lifting up our eyes to see what's happening. I mean, it's already happening in our lives, it's happening in our family, it's happening in our church, it's happening in our city, it's happening in our nation, it's happening. There's something to partner with. They ask the traveling speaker, they say, how come everywhere you go, revival breaks out? He says, well, I just asked the Lord where the next revival is, and then I just go there. <laughs> That's why I like to come to Powell. If you partner with what God's already doing, it makes you look better than you really are. <laughs> it's happening. You know, just um, the in Second Kings four, you got the woman who's the widow would have a prophet who died, creditors coming to take away children, to pay debt. She has a conversation with Elisha, the prophet. Elisha asks her a question, what do you have? And she says, I have nothing. Let's laugh at that, by the way. Ha <laughs> ha. 
except, oh, I just thought of something. I have nothing except a little oil. <laughs> now, what happens when you get into a prophetic ministry, it takes your eyes off what you think you don't have to put your eyes on what you actually do have. That's what the prophetic ministry does. That's why I love a prophetic house like this. I love the prophets who are getting raised up in this house. Because one of the main purposes of the prophetic is to take your eyes off of what you think you don't have and put your eyes on what you do have. Now, I love to laugh at things. I love to laugh at lies. I love to laugh at the absurdity of some of the things we believe and getting our beliefs from the past and getting our beliefs from society. Um, <clears throat> let's just laugh at a couple things here. Um, you, don't, uh, you don't have enough um, good looks to be significant. <laughs> let's give an extra laugh on that one. <laughs> You don't have enough money. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, the widow, she, she actually saw, I, I, we, we, all, we all already have the key to breakthrough. Just say, I already have it. Well, we, we all do. We all, we all have something. And, and, you know, comparison the accuser of the brethren wants to just constantly have us compare ourselves to other people and measure ourselves by what, uh, yep, I don't have their looks, I don't have their money, I don't have their skill, I don't have their, you know, family, I don't have their whatever. I don't have, I don't, what do you have? Nothing. <laughs> I don't have anything. But we, all, but we all have something. And she just had a little oil. Just say little oil. And, and, and that created, you know, just if you know the story, and if you don't, it's a great story, 2 Kings 4. It created a miracle, a miracle provision, supernatural debt cancellation. I think you released that last night, Lindsay, or who released that? Some, Brennan? Yeah, there's, there's supernatural debt cancellation it, it is happening. So it, it, it's, it's happening. It's happening, and you already have it. I mean, that's good news. There's something happening for me to partner with, and there's something I have that's going to create the miracle. Woo! Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to that. Thank you. And, and what, what this house is filled with prophetic people. Just say, I'm highly prophetic. And you are, are, are going to be used in this year to open people's eyes, have their eyes look up and see what's happening and have them see what's actually on the inside of them. Mm. That gets me excited. You receive that? Man, you guys are high-level receivers. I, I, sense, I sense the Snoopy anointing here. You had to be here last night to understand the Snoopy anointing. All right. Um, 
I just want, I want to share with you tonight, uh, before our team ministers, I want, I want to just give you tonight five things overcomers do. Five things overcomers do. And, and how many of you know what the Bible says in, in Romans 8.37 that you are more than a conqueror? I mean, conqueror would be good enough. But you're more, just say, I am more than a conqueror. And we're going to have some fun with this tonight. Um, so let's start with this. The first thing that overcomers do is they believe they are winning. They believe they're winning. And that just, that can go, I mean, I, I've shared that last night and this morning, sports teams, one of the main jobs of sports coaches is to overcome the losing mindset on a team. Now, when I was in, I grew up on the north coast of California, I went to a high school called Fortuna High School, and I played football there, and we had a losing culture. We had a losing culture. And we got this new coach. His name was Ken Holslander. And he had fire. Someone just say fire. fire. <laughs> and he had a winning culture. He thought we were winners. I thought, well, after he gets to know us a little bit better, he won't such high beliefs about us. <laughs> and he was like a preacher, you know. He just, uh, he, he, he. He yelled in the locker room, and we got fired up. And, but but he, he just slowly but surely, you know, one of the roles of leadership is to break off losing cultures off the inside of people, off groups of people, off cities, off nations. Break the losing culture off. You know, we all, we all lose in life at times, but we're not losers. We're winners. And by the time I was a senior in high school, we won the championship for our division. Someone say yay. yay. And, and, and we, actually, we actually started to believe. And we, we started to believe before we started to win. I have, a, I have seven grandchildren. My oldest is named Caden. And when Caden was about three years old, we were in a park in Redding, California, where I live. And we were just getting ready to go as it was getting dark and Caden's family and, and my wife, Wendy, were up by the car, and, and, and so we were, you know, walking there, and so I was here, and then Caden was really slow behind me, and so I needed to pull out some high-level motivational skills <laughs> to speed Caden up, so I, I turned around, I said, hey, Caden, let's race, no movement. So I knew I needed to turn my motivation up to another level. So here's what I pulled out. This was brilliant. Hey, Caden, I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winning. And, and without moving at all, Caden looked at me and said, I'm winning too. Just say, I'm winning, too. I'm winning too. I mean, I thought to myself, man, this guy, he's got high-level beliefs. <laughs> he's in last place, and he thinks he's winning. 
<laughs> I said, if I, when I grow up, I want to be like him. But, but Caden was winning because he wasn't in the same race that his grandpa was in. He was in the race of what three-year-olds do, and he was doing it well. Bird, there's a bird. Look at this leaf. <laughs> yeah. He was winning. And a, and a lot of us think we're losers because we don't know what race we're in. A lot of us think we're losers because we don't know what race we're in. We think we're in the world's race. Yep. Having the most likes on Facebook. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. Considered being beautiful and sexy. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. Having... Just the right phone. Uh huh. <laughs> having the right, you know, career, having enough money, all, all of these things that, that want to measure us, you know. And I'll tell you, we have to know what race we're in, we have to know what season we're in. And, and, I'll tell you this how one of the ways God makes great people is God makes us successful on the inside when we don't look successful on the outside. That's that's one of the pathways, one of the main pathways to influence and leadership is God makes us successful on the inside when we don't look successful on the outside. I was um, when we were in Nevada learning these things, I had all kinds of things telling me that I was a failure. And, and let me just share some of these with you. And after I share each one, just will you laugh with me? Um, I had a non-successful car. <laughs> I had a non-successful salary. I had a non-successful church size. Let's give an extra laugh on that one. I had a, my, my hair was starting to get non-successful. <laughs> my home, which was a <clears throat> single-wide trailer right next to the church, it was really old, called the Parsonage, was not successful. <laughs> I remember that, you know, that was the season the Lord says, I want you to believe you're a winner. I want you to believe you're winning. I want you to break that losing culture out of your life. Get it out of you. Because where you're going, you can't take that with you. I said, Lord, I'll make a deal with you. How about, how's this sound? I'll start believing better when things start getting better in my life. Is that okay with you? Brenda, what do you think he said? <laughs> yeah, he said, no, that's not okay with me. That's not how this thing works. <laughs> Did somebody just hear a snort? <laughs> I, thought, I thought I heard a snort. 
Just say, I'm winning too. So the first thing overcomers do is they, they believe they are winners. They believe they're winning. Whew. <clears throat> Second thing overcomers do is they see their current circumstances as their training ground for the future. They see their current circumstances as their training ground for the future. In Philippians chapter 3, by the way, the book of Philippians, isn't that a great book? Thank you, Lord. It says in verse 12, Paul says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Say, I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the upward call of God just, you know, heaven could be a part of that, but the upward call of God is also the greater things the Lord has for us to do. Someone say, Father, thank you for Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. My current circumstances are my training ground for my prophetic destiny. Yeah, and I, I, love, I love the prophetic because if you've been around here at all or other places like this, you're frequently going to get what's called prophetic words, where people are releasing what they believe the Lord is showing them about you and who you really are and where you're going within your life. And the specifics are, are, are always different, but the general gist of the prophetic word is, hey, dream bigger. You're important. God's got a great future for you. It jolts us all. Oh, oh. I was almost moving into survivalism. That's right. That's right. That's right. I have a future. Yeah, there's something, something big ahead for me. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. The prophetic creates hope and vision for our future. And, you know, it, it's... Vision for the future gives power and purpose for the present. So everything in my current life is my training ground for where I'm going. I'm in training right now. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> Makes two of us. When you have a training mentality, it gives purpose for even frustrations and things. I remember in one of the churches I pastored, I, I had a woman in the church who did not like me. <laughs> she frequently sent me messages, I disapprove of you. I disapprove of you. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't, you know, divisive and that, but just, just, just negative towards me. And sometimes I'd be preaching, 
Sometimes I'd be preaching, and she'd have her arms folded. And we didn't have a big church, so people like this really stood out. <laughs> she'd have her arms folded, just glaring at me. <laughs> trying to preach through that, you know, trying to look over at, you know, people over here who are nodding. Uh, uh-huh. I remember I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why is she here? Why? Why is she here? And, and I heard this, Lord, or Steve, <laughs> she's here for you. Because where, where, where you're going to go, where you're going, you're going to learn more through her than all the people who think you're great. Yeah. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> I am not sure. Not sure. That's God. Steve, you're going to learn how to forgive, how to love, not withdraw your heart from people who are disappointing you. Whew. You're going to let the, learn how to set boundaries in relationships. You're going to learn how to speak the truth in love. You're going to learn how not to be emotionally manipulated by people. You're going to learn how not to dwell on unresolved relational situations around you. Steve, you need to be excited she's with you. <laughs> but the only way you can think like that is if you have a training mentality. I'm going somewhere. I'm, just say, I'm going somewhere. Just say, I'm being prepared for something great. It doesn't mean we, we allow ourselves to be abused or, you know, whatever, but I am saying that there's a, there's a measure of those things that, that are in our life that we can actually, if we can say, God, what are you doing in me concerning that? You know, one of the ways that, uh, there's a, one of the ways we can identify the purpose of our season is, is to notice an area where that we're frustrated in and then ask the Lord what He's doing in us concerning that frustration. Because we, we don't have a, a, a ministry because we have a message. We have a ministry because we have a life. And, and when we actually... When we can identify, oh, I remember uh, my wife, <clears throat> we were in Nevada. She was, she was frustrated about people during worship who were just talking in the back, people not participating. Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> She'd be up in front smiling, but inside, frustrated. These people are holding back revival. But <laughs> you had to find what God doing in her. Well, one is how to inspire people. But I'm in a season of learning how to inspire people. I mean, I'm in a season of learning how to get strategies to help pull people in. I mean, I'm in a season of learning how to how to have my own revival regardless of what anybody else is doing. 
Ah, that's what God's doing in me. <clears throat> I remember the season when the Lord um, told me to go after discouragement. Yeah, I, I just was easily discouraged. Uh, and he said, Steve, there's one common denominator in this discouragement. It's you. You always you're always involved in the thing. <laughs> I'm discouraged about this, discouraged about the offerings, discouraged about my leadership, discouraged about my sermons, discouraged about, you know, <laughs> discouraged about, you know, how slow things are. Discouraged about I got another phone call with more bad news with things happening in the church. Just discouraged. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Steve, for the rest of your life, there's going to be something for you to be discouraged about. I mean, there's always going to be. He said, especially if you're a visionary. If you're a visionary, it's not happening yet. The Bible says on earth as it is in heaven, there's too much earth here. <laughs> too much earth. I'm discouraged. He said your discouragement is a bigger problem than what you're discouraged about. Your discouragement is a bigger problem. There's going to have to come a time. Now, you know, I mean, in, in the New Old Covenant, the, the enemies of the promised land were literal giants. New Covenant, the, the enemy of the promised land is mindsets. Discouragement. In the New Covenant, the, the enemy of the promised land is mindsets. Discouragement, disappointment, victim mindsets, pessimism, etc. And Ephesians six seventeen says, "Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God." It's called a sword because we're supposed to kill something with it, not people. No, but you, you kill the lies. I remember he said, uh, you, you, got, you have to go after that thing. So I remember I was in a season of my life where um, the Lord trained me. He said, Steve, every time you feel discouraged, I want you to get excited. I've done many things I've never heard any other Christian do. So he said, every time you get that feeling, I want you to get excited. I want you to say, this is so exciting. I'm feeling discouraged. <laughs> <laughs> the, the feelings of discouragement are coming on me. Woo this is it. This, 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 this moment, and I'll use an example I used this morning. This moment is more important than when I get slain in the spirit. This moment. Because I got resistance. And you get spiritual muscle by pushing against resistance. 
another football example. And let's just laugh at this. I'm probably not going to get to my five points because I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting too excited on point number two. Another football. When I, when I first started playing football, I liked football, but I didn't like physical contact. <laughs> John, that didn't work out well. So my goal was kind of, you know, to not get hit by anybody. <clears throat> and I mean, people in practice, they, you know, they, 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 they you know, I mean, they knew. I mean, they, I just got knocked on my rear end all the time. You know, and, and then one day, one day in practice, I got knocked down again, and, and something happened in me. Something happened. I said this, I'm not taking this anymore. Yep. Righteous anger rose up. I said, I'm not going to wait to be hit. I'm going to go hit somebody. <laughs> and I, I, it was just like a shift happened. Whoa, you know, I just, and, and, you know, I mean, people had to, you know, it, it was a sh people had to keep an eye on it. They had to say, where's Backlund? <laughs> All right, he's over there. All right. And it actually became pretty good, you know, football and that. And um, didn't play for Ohio State, but wish I would have. But I, I you know, I just, um, but that's how I live my spiritual life so much. I, I, I was defensive, you know. Okay, oh, oh, I wake up this morning. Hope I feel good today. <laughs> hope I don't see that person. I hope when I go to church, there's no spirits of heaviness. <laughs> I hope the feelings of discouragement don't come on me. I hope I don't get discouraged today. <laughs> He's got knocked on my spiritual rear end all the time. And something snaps. I'm not taking this anymore. And you start getting this training mentality. You start getting some fire. You start seeing purpose and overcoming things rather than just trying to avoid things. You, you, you actually build spiritual muscle. That's incredible. And you, you know, I just say even the, the family situations you're facing, the financial situations you're facing, the physical things you're facing, the relational things you're facing, the emotional things you're facing, all of those are our training ground for where we're going. Because you're going somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going that quickly. <laughs> I'll still be here through tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, third thing overcomers do. <laughs> Whew. They, they change the channel in their self-talk. Now, Philippians 4, 6, 
through 8. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Say, with thanksgiving. Let, the request, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in, through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Now, there's radio waves that play. You know, if we had a receiver, we could receive radio um, stations here. We just tuned in. Now, our spirit is designed also to hear uh, the spiritual channels that there are. Now, the devil, he has channels. God has channels. Now, I mean, the devil, he's got like the channel, like the accuser of the brethren channel. I tune in every once in a while. Wow, that sounds really true. Oh, I mean, let me, let me turn that up. Oh, hi, man. He has the you are a failure channel. Tune into that every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, amen. Yep. That sounds, that sounds really true. That, that really feels true, too. Yeah, so it's got to be true if it feels that true. Let's laugh at that. One of the purposes of the prophetic is to change the channel of our self-talk. I mean, Gideon in Judges 6, when he was told he was a mighty warrior, he was listening to all the wrong channels. I mean, he was listening to the It's Too Late channel. Let's laugh at that channel. Ha ha. He was listening to the God Has Abandoned Us channel. Ha ha. <laughs> he was listening to... Uh, there are no more miracles channel. <laughs> he was listening to because I come from a bad family, I can't have future influence channel. And, and God said, I want you to change the channel. I want, here's what I want you to listen to in your self-talk. I want you to listen to this channel. You are a mighty warrior channel. I want you to listen to you have an anointing to change a nation channel. That's what I want. Oop, tune into that. Abraham was listening to the you are too old channel. It's a popular channel for some. And the Lord says, I want you to change the channel to your greatest days of your whole life are still ahead channel. The greatest purpose of your whole life is still ahead channel. That's what I want you to listen to. Moses was listening to the no one will listen to me channel. Let's laugh at that channel. God says, I want you to change the channel in your self-talk to where you're actually listening to you are a deliverer of a whole nation channel 
and great miracles happen through you channel. Overcomers um, go after their self-talk. And, and, and I'll tell you this, one of, the, one of the ways that we know we're listening to the wrong channel is if what we're listening to doesn't give us hope, change the channel. Even when God corrects us, there will be hope. You know what I'm hearing over you? I'm hearing God is releasing grace over you to change the channel. You say, well, I'm trying. You know, I, I rent a lot of cars, and you just, <clears throat> and I turn the car on, and sometimes there's something playing on the radio I do not like. What if I said, oh, no, now I have to listen to this the whole trip? <laughs> you say, Steve, take a deep breath. Listen to these words. You are powerful. You can change the channel and listen to what you want to listen to. Wow, that's amazing. And, it, you know, it may not happen right at first. You may, I'm trying to change, but the old channel keeps playing. Well, you're going to figure it out. Just say, I'm going to figure it out. Especially when you use hope as the indicator of, oh, okay, I'm not getting hope. If your interpretation of the Bible doesn't lead you to hope, I think you need to figure out how to interpret it at a higher level. That's what I believe. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I think this message is just for you. All right, I got another one, yep. Another thing overcomers do is they celebrate progress, not perfection. <laughs> they celebrate progress, not perfection. This is a fun one, and I've shared this here before, but I want to share it again. I want to do it. You know... Romans 4.17 says, the kingdom of God is not about meat and drink. <laughs> what is it? Meat and drink? Yeah, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is one-third of the kingdom. Someone just go, hmm, hmm, hmm. One-third of the kingdom. I've got a theory that everything in the kingdom can fit either under righteousness, peace, or joy. Now, I mean, some people say, well, <clears throat> I just don't have the right personality for joy. <laughs> what if someone said, I don't have the right personality for righteousness? You say, what's your personality have to do with it? That's interesting. I mean, for the first 15 years of my Christian life, I probably heard... You know, I heard very few messages on joy. It's one-third of the kingdom, but nobody seemed to be preaching on it. And I got a theory why. Because under a religious mindset, it's impossible to be joyful. Because if you are joyful, you're not understanding things. Uh-huh. 
Because if you really understood things, you'd understand God has just about had enough of you. He's about had enough of you. He's so frustrated and disappointed with you, he's about ready to implode. You prayed one hour, you should have prayed two. You fasted for three days, but you had a marshmallow on day two. And now God is angry. <laughs> Religion only celebrates and becomes joyful with perfection, but families celebrate and become joyful with progress. Religion only celebrates and becomes joyful with perfection, but families celebrate and becomes joyful with progress. Grandson Caden learning to walk. His mom, Heidi, our daughter, would send us text. We'd read, Caden took a step. Oh, I became joyful. Woohoo! Heidi never sent us texts like this. Caden fell down again. Caden fell down 50 times today. He's such a disappointment to us. He's an embarrassment to our church, I mean our family. If parents were like many Christian leaders, Here's what they would say to their toddler trying to walk who's falling down. They'd say this, quit trying to walk. You're being presumptuous and prideful. <laughs> it's clear you, you do not have the gift of walking. <laughs> if, if you had the gift of walking, you wouldn't be struggling so much. wouldn't be so hard for you if you had the gift. Don't you know walking ceased with the apostles? <laughs> I think I'll say that again. Don't you know walking ceased with the apostles? It's clear that in God's infinite wisdom and superior sovereignty that he has predestined you with the gift of crawling. <laughs> Be content in the state you're in. God wants you to be a walker. He'll just zap you. Poof! You'll start walking with no struggle. That's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Let's just laugh at that. 
Ha, ha. That's how I used to think. If it's hard, I don't have the gift. Yep, if I had the gift, it'd be easy. I'd just succeed right away. Those who succeed most also seem to fail most. I used to think I had a good year because I didn't fail. The Lord says, yeah, but you didn't do anything. (laughs) The race isn't won by those who fail the least. Let's laugh at a few lies right here. If you tried to speak in front of other people and it was difficult and you struggled, it means you do not have the gift of speaking. (laughs) Just nervous laughter on that one. (laughs) Not sure I want to laugh at that. (laughs) Yeah. How about this one? If you tried to lead something and it did not go well, it means you do not have the gift of leadership. Ha, ha, ha. If you try to walk in joy and hope but keep falling down into discouragement and depression, it means you do not have the gift or ability to walk in joy and hope. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Let's give an extra laugh on that one. Ha, ha. Because if you had the gift and ability, it would be easy to walk in joy and hope. But because you struggle, you don't have the ability. Ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Anytime you try to walk higher in anything, you're probably going to be like a toddler. Ah, ah. I'm trying to walk in healthy relationships. Ah, keep falling down. And the devil wants to give you an identity out of it. Yep, you do not. You are a person who doesn't do relationships well. Tard. Oh, yes, amen. I received that. Yes, amen. No, I don't receive that. That's a lie. Yeah, the devil's a liar. And he's a big liar. You know, I mean, you know, all the devil has is a lie. The only power, I mean, the only thing he has is, is, is a mouth. I mean, he's been disarmed and defeated. He has no arms, no feet. <laughs> 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 Jim, you can, you can use that if you like. I just, I don't, I, you, you don't even need to give me credit. <laughs> Feel free to use that great joke. <laughs> People who overcome learn how to celebrate progress and not perfection. Whoo, man, I just... How powerful is it? Yeah, I, I, I don't stay constantly euphoric. I just want to make my low places higher and not stay as long. Whew, I just used to go this low and stay two weeks. Now I just go this low and stay one day. Whoo, yes! I'm growing. I'm changing. Woo-hoo! All right. I'm going to get to the fifth one. Here we go. This is... I mean, I'm I'm, I'm winning. Thank you. All right. Here's the last one. So we've got 
Five things overcomers do. They believe they are winning. They see current circumstances as they're training for the future. They celebrate progress, not perfection. They change the channel in their self-talk. Here's number five. They understand what they overcome gives them a ministry. They understand that what they overcome gives them a ministry. Now, you know, I think, I think that the devil hates a lot of Bible verses. <laughs> yeah, man, he really, he hates a lot of verses. But I think one he really hates is Romans 8.28. Now, I don't think about the devil a lot, but I was thinking about him a while back. And, and, and <laughs> thinking about the devil. And, uh, and I've come up with a biography title for the devil. You want to hear it? It's this It Backfired Again. <laughs> It backfired again. Romans 8, 28. And all things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Now, here's the, here's the regular story in the devil's biography. You know, I, we don't have to worry about her anymore. It's all over. And then six months later, a bomb hits hell. Boom. <laughs> What was that? Uh, well, Mr. Devil. <laughs> well, Mr. Devil, you remember the one? You remember the one that you said we don't have to worry about? You know, the things that actually happened have now turned out for good. She's stronger than ever. And that bomb that just hit us was from her. I mean, that, that, that's the repeated story. I mean, it's, it happened in, I mean, in the beginning. I mean, it just it always happens. But, I mean, the, the ultimate backfire is when the devil thought he, he crucified Jesus. Ha-ha. <laughs> no, he didn't crucify Jesus. Jesus laid his life down. If, if the devil would have understood it, he would have said, Kill the Jews! Kill the Romans! They got to die because we can't let Jesus die. Because if Jesus dies, we're going to have not just one problem, but millions of them. Millions of problems. Whoo! We're going to be Christians, little Christian, little Christ walking around. But he didn't get it. I can imagine after Jesus died, they were throwing a party in hell, saying things like, it is finished. And there's a lot of videos I want to see when I get to heaven. But here's one. When there's a knock on hell's door, I want to see the video when the door opens. The party comes to a shrieking halt. And Jesus says, I want the keys back. Yes, I want, I, I want the keys that Adam and Eve gave you. 
because you've had authority on the planet from that time to this point. Now I'm giving the keys to my church. They are going to have authority. Someone just say backfire. backfire. And I love it. You know, that, that's why, you know, Romans 8.28 is one of the greatest promises in the whole Bible. And all things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. I'm with people tonight who love God and are the called according to his purpose. That's who I'm with. I mean, whether it's something that happened to you or a decision that you made, God, as we turn to the Lord, that can, that's going to turn out for good. Actually, it's going to give us a ministry. Because whatever we overcome, we get a ministry in. It says in James 1.12 that to he who overcomes is given a crown of life. And a crown of life is authority in that area. I, I, I've overcome a lot of discouragement and a lot of hopelessness. Yeah, I mean, just the devil, he said, all right, hey, let's just, just pour on some lies, Steve, out in the desert. Yeah, let's give him some of the old basic lies. You know, they've, they've worked so much for so long. Let's just, you know, let's just, yeah, give him that. There's something uniquely wrong with him lie. Just kind of pour that one on him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's come into agreement with that so many times and received that. I think he'll do it again. Just, just, just yeah, just give him that one. Mm-hmm. And just tell him that uh, he's, he, he's less than other leaders, you know, that the, every other leader around him is so much better than him. Yeah, just keep telling him that. Yeah, he, he, likes to, he likes to come into agreement with that one, too. And you just tell him that, you know, he'll, he'll never have any Holy Spirit encounters, that, you know, that he has a blockage. <laughs> just tell him that there's a blockage in him that, you know, just causes him to, you know, just be able to, unable to receive. And, you know, just, you know keep telling him that one. <laughs> and tell him the best he can hope for is just average. Just, just, you know, and just, just, yeah, tell him this, that nobody really likes him, too. Just, you know, every once in a while, he'll, he'll buy into that, and he'll agree. Ha, ha. You know what? It backfired. It came a time, and something happened. I don't know. No! Ah, ah. No. That's become one of my greatest strengths. If you battle addictions, you're called to bring freedom to other people from, with addictions. If you've had a difficult relational thing in your family, you're called to bring freedom to other people's families and relationships. You've battled poverty, you're called to bring freedom to other people in their finances. It's a calling. It, it, it's 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 it over. It's an overcoming thing, and that makes me glad, you know. Because even your current battle, whether it's personal, relational, whatever it is, your current battle is not just about you. It's about the people you're going to influence. Someone say that's good news. Because the reason is, is that whatever you're battling, you have compassion for other people who are battling that. Yep. You're not just coming in with theory. Well, you know, you're actually coming in with experience, and you've had to find God in that place. And, and I'm in a room with some mighty overcomers. 
Just say, I'm a powerful overcomer. Now, here's what I want you to do before the team comes on up. You guys good out there? Yeah, I just, I really, I felt like I wanted to give you a moment. If you would just, I've said five things overcomers do. I want you to identify which one of these spoke to you the most. All right? So, overcomers believe they are winning. Overcomers believe their current circumstances uh, they see their current circumstances and they're training for the future. Overcomers change the channel in their self-talk. Overcomers celebrate progress, not perfection. And overcomers understand that what they overcome gives them a ministry. Now, if you've got somebody close by you that you can say, hey, this is it, just, just share that with them. If you don't have anybody by you, just either move or talk to yourself. <laughs> just take a moment and share with somebody which one of those spoke to you the most. All right, here we go. Let me, let me do something. Sometimes I know it's hard to choose one, but I'm just curious. With a raise of hands, I want, I, want, I want to see which of these spoke the most. Number one, who said uh, the number one is, uh, the, your number one choice is uh, you believe you are winning? Okay. A few. All right, how about this? Uh, who said you see your current circumstances as your training ground for your future? Ooh, okay. That's, that one's so far. Um, how about this? You change the channel in your self-talk. Uh-huh. You celebrate progress, not perfection. <laughs> Okay, and, or the last one, uh, you understand what you overcome gives you a ministry. You said that you? Oh, I think that one might have won or the, the second one. Well, that's good. All the above. Those are fun, fun things. We're going to have the team come on up. You guys received this word tonight? If you receive it, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. 
Amen.